Hi friend, I'm Tanya Gill. Welcome to Lighten Up and Unstuck Your What the Fuck. Together, we explore the ways through life's stickiest moments and how to live with more peace, joy, love, and gratitude. We're going to talk honestly about what isn't easy so you can discover the light within you that will carry you forward. My friend, this podcast is about you in real life, your body, mind, and soul, and the opportunity to not only live your best, but shine doing it. Welcome, my friends, to Lighten Up and Unstuck Your What the Fuck. I'm so excited to share our guest with you today. Dr. Alyssa Wolf is a chronic pain specialist, a licensed doctor of physical therapy, and the founder of the Chronic Pain Breakup Method. Alyssa, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I am super excited to talk about all things chronic pain and how to get unstuck from chronic pain because it's a big deal. Well, and you know, I have some people in my life and I think we can all relate that we have people in our life that experience chronic pain Mm -hmm. and it is not just a physical experience. It becomes an emotional experience. It becomes a spiritual journey. It is a test in a lot of ways. And I am sure that you have people that come to you who are so overwhelmed by their pain. How do you start with people? who come to you and just say like, my life is torture. Oh my goodness. How do I even start? Well, um, I, I like to shed light onto the chronic pain problem by looking a little bit deeper. So usually, um, my conversations, people are, have, when they come into my world, people have already tried almost everything, you know, that you can find about pain relief. Usually most of the or all of the medical interventions, physical therapy, chiropractic care, injections, pills, surgeries, um, you name it, all of that good stuff. And then they take it to the, they've already tried all of the other things that they, you know, you can find in the world, um, yoga, Reiki, um, CBT, you know, um, that kind of therapy, trauma therapy, tapping, grounding, like they've done everything and they get to into my world or have these conversations with me. And by then um, they may or may not have heard about that element of the nervous system. And so my first conversation with folks is usually to just expose or educate people on what else could be going on in your body, physiologically speaking, um, and not necessarily talking purely just about the, the mental or cognitive elements of pain, because I think sometimes people can think, that it's like psychosomatic or something like that or you can just like think your way out of pain that it's not a pure physical experience Mm -hmm. um but so yeah digging a little bit deeper and looking at what could be going on in the nervous system or how is your nervous system responding to a disease or condition or injury that you have and that nervous system could be amplifying your experience of pain And like you said, it absolutely affects every aspect of life, physical um, abilities, emotional, you know, mental health, depression, anxiety, um, relationships, sexual function, digestion, um, reproduction, like it, it leads into every aspect of life. And 
I think one of the worst components of that is no one seems to understand what they're going through and they don't seem to get answers from their doctors to the people who should be able to provide an explanation. So I felt like there was a need to, for someone to step into that role of like, I will at least try to tell you what what's going on and at least try to help you figure this problem out. So Alyssa, why chronic pain? Like with, with, you know, with all of the credentials you have and being a doctor of physical therapy, why did you decide chronic pain was the area that you wanted to help people in? Good question. I, I don't think that I decided in my own right. I think the universe and God and just whatever the powers that be decided for me, I think just after a series of um, very specific events. I thought I, I thought when I was in PT school, I thought I wanted to work with soldiers with combat PTSD, uh, who had a symptom of pain as their PTSD. And as a physical therapist, I was thinking, well, um, because we treat pain, these people are going to be in our world. And so I wanted to do research on pain and PTSD in soldiers. Um, and then as I, just, as I learned more, I had specific mentors, um, who kind of just like pivoted me away from just being so focused on the military and combat PTSD and just opened that up to everybody needs your help. Um, <laughs> it's actually one in four individuals has ex uh, chronic pain. One in four to five individuals have chronic pain. And so, um, when I was exposed to that, and just like I said, certain elements had, Kind of shifted me away from just being wanting to work with the military and opened my mind to working with everybody um and um yeah so i think i was it's a combination of certain experiences in my life that led me to that but also just being naturally blessed with a very strange and obsessive passion for wanting to help people with chronic pain i didn't actually uh, a lot of people ask me a lot of a lot of times like well where do you have pain or what was your pain experience? Um, because they, they'll say, um, how, no one can understand the experience of pain and not have had it. So they assume that I've had it, um, that I haven't had chronic pain aside from what I would just like an average shoulder injury and some ankle injuries, but um, I haven't had to go through that experience personally, but um, I, I was sitting in my car one day, um, on my way home from the airport and I swear, and this may sound a little weird, but I swear I heard the voice of God say, you are going to do something big with chronic pain. And, um, I, I said, okay, God, I'm not going to let you down. We're going to do something. <laughs> so here I am. Lots of different circumstances have led me here, but. Okay. Now what I think is so cool, Alyssa, is like, you may not have had had chronic pain yourself, but you know how to help people with chronic pain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I am sure that there will be people who are listening, who are going, okay, you've never had the pain and mm -hmm. I've tried everything and you're here. So how, how, how do you help people with chronic pain and like the other thing is, is that there, there's a lot of neuroscience behind it. 
And so, you know, a lot of people hear that and then they kind of just go, I, I, I'm not a science geek. So, so how do you, how do you explain to people like the process of working with them and, and what do you do that's different? Yeah. So, um, I look at the pain problem, first of all, teaching people neuroscience is something that I actually had to learn in my specialty training. So um, because a huge component of it is actually understanding what is going on in your body and filling that gap of information, because if you don't really know why you hurt so much, it's harder to heal. You have to actually have that reason why you hurt before you can heal. So really understanding that component of the neuroscience, it's very important for you to begin the healing process and so in my job, I actually have to teach people the neuroscience of pain. So I had to learn how to teach. So that was one big element. Um, but basically the way that I look at the nervous system problem when it comes to pain, there are basically two different sides to this problem. There is what traditionally you may hear a little bit more about is this whole fight or flight element. The body gets stuck in a state of fight or flight. It's in survival mode. Um, it is trying to protect you from something, whether there is a threat or not, whether you're in danger or you're safe. And so that causes, number one, one of the protective mechanisms um, your body utilizes is pain. It's the alarm. It lets you know, hey, I'm trying to protect you from something. Um, don't know what that is potentially, but I'm trying to keep you safe. So pain is the alarm to let you know, hey, don't go run that marathon right now. We might be trying to heal from an injury. So pain is there. Um, it also is going to um, increase activation of big body mover muscles to help you be ready to fight, flee, or freeze at any moment. So you have those areas of extreme muscle tension, upper traps, hip flexors, your hamstrings, um, all of those areas that are just super tense all the time, that massage and no amount of stretching is going to resolve because something is telling it to be tense all the time. So we have increased muscle tone. We have altered um, digestion. Mm -hmm. So if you're, you know, in a survival situation, like your body's going to not let you digest that sandwich because it's not conducive for you to stay alive. It's not going to let you, your body won't let you fall asleep because if something is bad or dangerous, if you fall asleep, you could die, not healthy. <laughs> um, that sounds dramatic, but it, you get the point. Um, so no sleep digestion, reproductive systems get shut down as well. So we see a lot of people with chronic pain with um, either for women with unusual periods, painful periods, pelvic floor dysfunction, endometriosis, fibroids, uterine, uh, all of that good stuff, not good stuff. Um, so we see all of these conditions. And then we also have your brain fog because in a fight or flight situation, your brain is going to shut down those higher level thinking tasks. So forming new memories and problem solving become impacted as well. So we have this whole fight or flight side of the problem. And when you look at how do we address that side of the problem, um, physiologically speaking, really the, the number one thing that we can do to alter that is physiologically, we can control our breathing. So that's like the easiest way to really address that problem. It's an immediate um, benefit like you'll see immediate results from doing breathing, but it's a short-term benefit. So doing a breathing drill isn't going to, you know, you're not going to see benefits two, three days down the road from doing one breathing drill, right? So it has an immediate result, but it's a short-term result. 
So we have this fight or flight side of the problem. Mm -hmm. Then we have the, I like to call it the deeper, even deeper issue, which is the changes that happen in the nervous system. And when we say nervous system, I don't just mean brain because sometimes people just think brain and this is a mental thing. It's a thinking problem. It goes beyond that. We have the peripheral nervous system, which is, are those nerves that connect from your body, from your tissues, from your muscles, joints, whatever, up to the spinal cord. Those nerves themselves become sensitized. They get better at detecting various different stimuli. And so they're, they're more easily able to fire with a smaller stimulus. So something so that they become more sensitive, right? So this is, is so the, the idea that the pain then, if, for example, I had chronic pain in my elbow, then, then it would just become more sensitive in that area. Is that what you're meaning? Yes. Um, yes. And so for a good example would be, um, basically think about it this way. Every nerve has its own um, baseline level of electrical activity inside of it. And in order for that nerve to fire, that electrical activity has to be raised up enough to reach a threshold. Anything below that threshold doesn't cause the nerve to fire. If you raise that baseline level of electrical activity, a smaller stimulus is going to bring it up to that threshold. Hopefully okay. that makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. Basically, when a peripheral nerve becomes sensitized, the space between baseline and threshold is reduced. So now, uh, just to give an example, in order to feel pain, you'd have to really bump your elbow on something, right? Um, versus touching it. So in in um, to give that a real life example, touching it can cause that same nerve to fire, causing pain when um, you didn't have to quite bang it as hard. Hopefully that makes sense. So the, the degree of stimulation is less and still can cause the same amount of pain. Um, and so other things start to stimulate those nerves as well, like changes in blood supply, changes in temperature, immune system responses, um, pressure, vibration, light touch, stretch. So things that wouldn't normally cause pain can now cause those nerves to fire and the pain you feel is the same. So that's a that's one little piece of this sensitivity problem in the peripheral nervous system. Then we also have changes in the spinal cord and the brain. And I can talk about those if you'd like to, but you it looked like you were gonna ask a question. Yeah, well, it's interesting because when you were talking about the peripheral nervous system, I, I, you know, I always try and think of concrete examples and I like the example that you, you know, expanded on with the elbow, but that immediately I went to, when, for example, like I've had the experience of tweaking my back and then mm -hmm. get in the car and a normal drive in the car to whatever the grocery store when, when my pain is, isn't present at all is like, whatever, it's just a drive. But when something's been irritated or tweaked or whatever, like every bump, every turn, every becomes heightened. Right. So yes. it's, and you know, like for people who don't experience for people like me who have, have not experienced chronic pain, I just have the, I imagine what it would be like to have that experience day in and, day out and how it would like literally like gnaw away at your brain and sanity over time. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Over and, and yes. And actually what you described as an acute injury is the exact thing that is happening in your body is that peripheral sensitization. It is a natural, normal 
response to any injury. And it's our body's way of like letting you know, like, hey, you just tweaked your back or you just sprained your ankle. Please don't go run that half marathon right now because we're trying to heal that injury. So that is a normal physiologic response to any acute injury. The problem is, like we said, one in four to one in five individuals, that change just doesn't reverse itself. It doesn't go back to that original baseline. And so it stays and it just persists and persists and persists. And there's multiple reasons why that might be. We don't have to get into all of that right now, but it's a, it's a long, yeah, that's how, that's one of the reasons why pain can become chronic and that injury can heal as well. And you can still have that nerve sensitivity issue ongoing, which can be very frustrating, especially when your MRIs come back normal and your doctors are saying, well, nothing is wrong. Nothing wrong. And you know, and that's the other thing I really empathize and, and to our listeners, if they're listening to this, like if you've had that experience of, you know, having the scans and having all of the things done and all of the tests and and people coming back and saying, there's nothing wrong. It's all in your head. Um, you know, please know that, that you are seen and you are heard. And that that is a big piece of why Alyssa is here today, because it's not in your head. And, and, you know, and so now, okay, I interrupted. Now you're going to talk about the central nervous system. Well, we can definitely talk about that. And I, I love that you said that it is not in your head and that has been, kind of the eye-opening thing for me in my career and what like one of the things that led me down this path is because I had heard you know all these patients are cuckoo and it's just all in their head and it's just anxiety or all and I heard that prior to really understanding this and what I found is that neuroscience is the science of it's not all in your head it is the like when you need something concrete and scientific to to prove this is real. The pain you feel is real and you're not crazy and you're not imagining it. And it is not your fault that this is happening. And you can't just think your way out of it and pull up your bootstraps and suck it up and get over it. It doesn't work that way because there is a physiologic explanation for what is going on here. And it is definitely on your head. Now, when we say that, when uh, we say what I say, it's not in your head. To me, that means it's not in your mind. It's not in your cognitions it's not in your all of that it is however partly in your brain <laughs> like there is that element but it is not in your it's not in your conscious control let's put it that way mm -hmm. um and so we were we were going to go into some of those changes that happened in the brain and spinal cord as well so um one of the let's see should I do spinal cord and then brain yeah why not it doesn't matter yeah. um so the spinal cord will um, one of the changes that happens is a result of long-term pain. And this is maybe a little bit depressing, but um, one of the changes that happens is that the spinal cord will start allowing more messages, more danger messages to get passed up to the brain than before. And so the way that would, so our spinal cords are actually the very first layer of pr processing, like neurologic processing before so it filters out information before it, it even gets to the brain. So for example, the spinal cord would filter out certain information that the brain doesn't need to hear, such as you're wearing pants, you're wearing pants, you're wearing pants, you're wearing pants, you're wearing pants. Your brain doesn't need that much information all the time. So the spinal cord will filter out that information. It just says, no, we don't need, brain doesn't care. Thank you. 
go away. <laughs> totally. However, as a result of long-term pain, there's a change that can happen in the spinal cord where that spinal cord allows that information to start getting up to the brain. So now the brain is hearing, danger, danger, you're wearing pants. Danger, danger, you're wearing pants. And that's a lot of information for the brain to receive. And um, the other thing that can happen too is that because of the wiring of our spinal cord is not just, you know, um, like one nerve plugs into this muscle and then it goes straight into the spinal cord and straight up to the brain. It's like crisscrossed and um, it's, it's a complicated wiring system. So what happens when that change happens, the pain experience or those messages are getting passed up from other areas as well. So you can have that experience where pain spreads from one area. It started, let's say in your right hip, but now it's expanded to your left hip and your right thigh and your right lower back because of that wiring problem. And so you may think, oh my gosh, now I've injured my left hip and it's spread up to my back. I don't know what's going on in my back. It, the pain can spread without having any injury whatsoever because of that change in circuitry in the spinal cord, which sucks. So basically and, that circuitry then is like, it just kind of, it's like almost like an overflow. It's like, it yeah. starts here and it's like, oh, you know what? Like, let's just try and let's just spread it out a little bit. And is that what's happening is, or is it like, it's like, it's like, it's opened up a, a gateway of communication and um, anything that's connected through that gateway can get up in and get passed up into the spinal cord. It won't, it won't affect every level of the spinal cord, meaning it won't affect. That's why I said, if, if you have it starting in your right hip, it can spread to the opposite hip and then the areas just above and below it to the thigh and let's say the lower back versus it's not going to skip up to like, let's say it starts in your hip and then now it's in your left shoulder. That kind of spreading wouldn't be happening through this mechanism. That would happen through something else. So then, okay, so quick okay. question. Okay, I know we could go in a lot of directions and I don't know enough about neuroscience. So I'm asking lots of questions, Alyssa. But so what you're saying then is if someone started with chronic pain in their right hip, for example, they could, the chronic pain could spread to their left hip and surrounding areas. Mm -hmm. and, and and then it becomes like a larger problem, like realistically yep. it becomes a larger problem. Mm -hmm. And so then if it spreads above and below, can it keep spreading or does it kind of have a limit around where it's? Yes and no, but not through that same mechanism. Okay. So the reason that that change happens is when the peripheral nerve, the one that we said is sending from the butt, let's just say sciatic nerve. A lot of people are familiar with that one. So that sciatic nerve is sending a message to the spinal cord. That message itself in high quantities it's a neurotransmitter. It's a chemical. It's actually an amino acid that is toxic at high levels to the spinal cord. So where that nerve is inputting into the spinal cord is where it's actually causing that, um, that change to happen. And so unless let's say your shoulder is also causing, you know, um, that nerve in the shoulder is also sensitized and it's been sending this message over and over that same change can happen up in a different level of the spinal cord and cause some of those same issues. Um, but that in itself wouldn't spread like you're, we're talking about. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So, <laughs> so I, I'm like all, I'm making you jump all over the place. So 
someone comes to you, they've got chronic pain, they're recognizing it's spreading, they're starting to, or they've panicked well already. That's maybe probably not even a starting panic. I'm sure that a lot of your clients and patients come to you at their wits end. And, um, and so as you're teaching them this, some of this basic neuroscience, how does this help them understand their chronic pain and move beyond it? Mm. Well, one element of just learning the neuroscience can help you feel safer in your body because it will help you understand that the pain you feel is not entirely all related to tissue damage and injury. And it certainly feels that way. Everything about it feels like, yeah, I've re-injured myself or I've tweaked my back or, um, you know, some kind of tissue damage. And, and I think what's important to note too, is like a lot of people will still have something show up on their x-ray or MRI, such as a bone spur or a disc herniation or arthritic changes, their bone on bone, their spines, you know, the spine of an 80 year old and all of that. Um, we can't necessarily change that with these treatments, but um, we can change the response that nervous system has to those uh, impairments, to that bone spur, to that disc herniation. We can change the nervous system's response to that. So it's not as big of a response, um, but, um, but to somebody who is just coming into my world and saying like, well, how, how does it benefit me to actually understand this neuroscience of pain? Um, it can make you feel safer to move safely with the right, you know, understanding of how to move safely. Um, because you're not constantly subconsciously thinking, um, my back is being injured every time I bend over, you're going to feel much safer to move when you know confidently that my back is completely safe with this movement. And I know that it's my nervous system that's responding to that movement. It's not actually my disc, you know, shooting out the side of my spine. <laughs> um, there may be a small element of that, but as long as we know that you're safe with those movements, then, um, it's just a matter of really retraining that nervous system to calm down and, and not respond as much. So, well, and yeah. that's what I was thinking is, okay. So if you learn that and then you recognize that your body is safe, then is that, is that the piece? Is that the piece where you retrain your body to almost become less sensitive to it? Is that it is one piece? It is okay. definitely one piece. And, and there's plenty of, you know, pain neuroscience research and clinical trials that have shown that just doing the educational piece of like, kind of like what we're talking about here can result in less pain, better range of motion, more um, functional ability, less disability. Um, just through that education alone can be really transformative. Um, but there are also different drills and strategies that you can implement to um, actually reverse some of those changes that happen in the nervous system. So we, we did talk about the peripheral nerves. There are some drills that we can do to reduce that peripheral sensitization. And we didn't talk quite yet about the brain changes, but we can retrain the brain through very specific drills. And the way those drills work is by activating what we call mirror neurons. So when you look at movement 
think about movement or actually perform the movement in real life, your brain does the same thing. Your brain is activating the same pattern, whether you're doing the movement or not doing the movement, you're thinking about it. And so when we do these, um, well, let me take a step back. Y your brain is a very smart, you know, piece of equipment. It learns things, go figure. And so the brain will start to learn when you've had this pain for so long, it starts to form these connections between certain movements, activities, positions, and exercises. And it makes that connection between, let's say, um, doing the dishes and pain. And so that connection, we say in our in the pain science community, nerves that fire together, wire together. So right. every time you do the dishes, you have pain. The brain makes that connection between those synapses. That connection gets stronger and stronger and stronger. It's so well rehearsed, it becomes automatic. Just like when you learned to tie your shoes the first time, it wasn't easy, but the more you did it, now it's automatic. You can't even sit there and describe to somebody how to do it. It's automatic. So the same thing happens when you rehearse that pain over and over every time you do the dishes. Oh my God, so, that's scary. That's scary, right? Because then it's like, and it is, it's scary. Like it's almost like a reason to be slightly afraid of our brains, although it is encouraging because it means that if your brain can be trained, can be untrained. <laughs> but it's the awareness, right? The fact yeah. that you can make that connection so quickly, create that association and feel that pain in your body because of that asso association is, wow. Yeah. Wow. It, it, it is in a really, it's, it's so funny. We talked about the PTSD in soldiers in a very small sense. It's almost the same as PTSD. If you think about it, if you were in a really horrendous car accident, and every time you, uh, maybe it was raining. And now every time it rains, you have symptoms of your PTSD, you have flashbacks, you have migraines, you get vertigo, um, or anytime you drive by where that car accident would be, you get some of those same symptoms. On a, it is the same concept on a much smaller scale because doing the dishes is not nearly as traumatic as that car accident, but the body doesn't feel safe when doing the dishes because it's learned that pattern just like when that car accident happened obviously it was not safe it was life-threatening maybe people got injured maybe people died it was very traumatic it's it's almost the same thing but on a much smaller scale and so our brain-based drills are fantastic because they allow you to your brain at least your brain can experience doing the movements the activities those positions those exercises of for example, doing the dishes without having that experience of pain at the same time. So that pathway gets reduced. The, the strength of those neural connections is becomes weaker. And um, so your body can start to feel safer when doing those movements in real life. So there's a, there's a nice safe way to transition from doing brain-based drills to applying it in real life as well. And um, the other thing the brain-based drills does is, is it, um, strengthens the brain's body map of that body part that's in pain. And so to understand what the heck that means, um, you had yeah. to have to you just repeat that again, strengthens the brain's body map. So uh -huh. can you repeat that again? Yep. So brain. yeah, so the each and every one of us has in our brains, a little map of our own body inside of our brain. So you have a hand in your brain, you have a shoulder in your brain and um, the brain-based drills will strengthen that body map. And what I mean by that is when you have this experience of chronic pain, one of the brain changes that happens is that 
body part in your brain shrinks down, it gets blurry, it gets smudged. And when sensory information that is now, we all know, is now flooding the brain um, from that body part, that brain is receiving that information in this smudged blurry area. And it's because it has lost some of its ability to correctly process all of this information, it's going, I don't know. I don't know what this information is. I don't know what it means. It's being flooded and flooded and flooded with information, but it cannot correctly interpret what is going on down there. So if your brain doesn't know what is really going on, it can either say, well, I'm probably safe and I'm good to go, or I'm not sure if I'm safe, I might be in danger. The safer option of those two is to choose, I might be in danger, I should protect me. So it's going to step in and turn on those fight or flight responses and say, we need to protect ourselves, potential injury. Let's let's activate pain. We need to protect ourselves and possibly be able to fight we are free. So let's activate all those other things. Um, so what going back to the brain-based drills, but again, the brain-based drills strengthen that brain, um, the body map in the brain for your body part so that that brain can then correctly interpret that information that it's getting from the body and be more confident when it's getting in this information, it's going, that's just you wearing pants. This is not dangerous. I know that this is pants. I know that that's your left knee. Uh, and it's, it, I know exactly what's going on here and we can be safe. This is nothing to freak out about. So um, again, yeah, this, this is not a cognitive, like sub um, conscious sort of a thing that's going on. This is, this is in those deeper parts of the brain where you don't really have the, you know, thinking power to influence. It's so it's, um, it this goes deeper not, than that, but it, it really a, works. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is that, you know, like people who are listening might say this, this sounds like cognitive behavioral therapy in some way. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is, you know, the, me the actual messages from your body and, and, and your brain's interpretation of them on that subconscious level, on that operating system level, not that conscious thought level. Although you can introduce some of it with the awareness of conscious thought is what I'm hearing, right? Like you can, when your body's doing that, you can actually go, oh yeah, like, wait a second, hang on. Uh, I'm wearing pants and I feel safe, right? <laughs> you know what I, really? Yeah. Really? To some extent, there there is there is definitely some overlap, I would say, in that like conscious awareness of like, yeah, once you have that information, you can kind of almost pick up and go, this is not, this is one of those false alarm situations. Like I know that I didn't re-injure my back. I didn't do anything physically that could have caused this. Um you know, we, we try to sometimes like, before you really have an understanding of this, sometimes you, you sit there and you try to rationalize, like, where did this pain come from this time? I must've slept wrong. I must've tweaked it yesterday, even though I can't think of a moment where I, I did something wrong, or maybe I sat too long yesterday, but really when you look at it, you're like, you sit the same amount every day. So how is yesterday any different? Um, so it's, it goes beyond that of, um, you're, you're then able to identify like, okay, this was not a physical thing. This is my nervous system doing its fight or flight thing. And some of that, yeah, you can actually cognitively think like, okay, I know I'm safe and I can kind of shut off some of that alarm response that's going on. 
And then there's the parts where you can't cognitively touch <laughs> and you just have to practice some of those um, other types of brain-based drills as well. So, okay. Yeah. So we talk about brain-based drills. So can you give us an example or walk me hmm. through an example of a brain-based drill that you might use with one of your clients when you're- Yes. So in my program, I teach four different brain-based drills um, with different variations in each category. So there's a whole bunch of them, but- um, the one that most people might have heard of is actually stolen from treating amputees. Have you ever heard of mirror therapy? Yes. Yes, yes, so, yes. Yep. So mirror therapy was initially in, invented, I guess. I don't know, discovered if that's the right word, but to treat people with phantom limb pain after an amputation. Basically, if you don't know what phantom limb pain is, People who have had amputations might still feel pain in the bottom of their foot. They may have an itch that they can't scratch. Every step they take, it might feel like there's a pebble in their shoe. But as you know, they don't have the foot anymore. So there's nothing actually sending that message from that body part to, to cause that sort of a sensation to begin with. And nonetheless, you can't scratch the itch. You can't there's get no the pebble out of the shoe. <laughs> So you can't treat it. And so there's been this big, like, how do we, how do we solve this problem? Well, the thing is, when you think about it, when you remove the foot, you don't remove the foot from the brain. The brain still has that body part in it. And that means that those synapses and um, those hardwired connections that that brain has practiced up until that point, that foot was amputated. They're still there. They're still getting activated in different ways. And so basically mirror therapy was invented. Um, it's going to be hard to describe without any visual because basically they put a mirror down the midline. You reflect the side that is um, still has the limb and the, your eyes, you're going to be looking at the reflection of the intact limb and um, performing different movements on the intact limb. But the brain sees that the amputated side is the one that is moving and it's moving safely. And so you can actually scratch the itch. You can start performing some movements to stretch that body part um, and to activate that part of the brain in a safer way. Um, and so it does some of that retraining component. And, and so the way that, again, the way that this works is by activating those mirror neurons in the brain. So the brain truly believes that it is performing the movement in real life, even though it is not. So um, that's one of the brain-based drills. And the, it's of the four that I utilize, it's the one that I would not recommend starting with because it does actually involve movement. And so it is the, of the four, it is the most likely to provoke pain. Um, so I usually have people start with the easier versions and then work their way up progressively as um, with each one, one step at a time, just so that we know that it's not going to cause any pain. We do not with any drills want to cause more pain. Um, so we do it safely, progress slowly back into movement. And then once you can successfully complete those mirror therapy drills um, without causing more pain, then we would also be then working on incorporating more movements into the, the that approach as well. So it's it's progressive. It starts with, you know, just retraining the brain and then getting your body ready for movement and then actually incorporating movement in a safe way. So yeah, hopefully that's a 
clear as mud. <laughs> you know what? It's fantastic. And it's very interesting because, you know, what I'm hearing is that, you know, the, and I really like that you've described it as the picture of your whole body is complete in your brain. And so what it is, is connecting with that picture to help your brain understand what is real pain and what is, I'm not saying that it's not real pain, not real, yeah. <laughs> right? Sorry, I'm not, Injury. I want to yeah. be very, very careful around that and say that your pain is real. I am not for any one second saying that your pain, anyone's pain is false, but what, you know, what pain is, how do we describe it? What pain Injury caused by an actual injury or tissue damage versus pain that in there, there sometimes may not be a differentiation between the two. I think um, the analogy I like to look at or to utilize is that some people will ask me like, well, is this my nervous system doing this? Or is this my disc herniation? Like, well, that's my disc herniation pain, but that's my nervous system pain. And they'll try to like identify, like to tease out the two. I don't believe that there is, it's not like a light switch. It's not like either, or it's not either your nervous system pain or the injury pain. Um, instead of it being a light switch, it's more of like one of those dimmer switches that you can kind of turn up or turn down. You're, you're somewhere in the middle. You're, um, and you can change on that scale day to day, hour to hour. So for example, one day you might've done three hours of gardening and yard work and pulling weeds on that day you're going to have a much more structural physical response and that's going to be much more physical injury sort of pain related day but on the next day you could have had done nothing physical to provoke this pain but had a really bad incident at work for example a really you know your boss was an asshole and beat you down and you know just some I don't know something really terrible happened it was a shit day period it was a shit day <laughs> and so um that could have provoked the pain and that would be a much more nervous system sort of a day another thing you know like it could be the change in the weather it was a really cold and rainy day it had nothing to do with stress it was purely just environmental factors that could also have that would be a nervous system day. And then you're, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, you're fluctuating, fluctuating between those two polar ends, but you're never on one end completely. And it's never all in your nervous system or all in your body. So it's, it's the dial. It's the dial, right? It's mm -hmm. somewhere in between. I like that. So clients come to you, tell me a little bit about um, the the programs that you offer and and what kind of results people get when they work with you? Um, well, my program is called the Chronic Pain Breakup Method. It's 16 weeks long. And in that program, you get to um, go through a series of learning lessons and action tasks. The way that that works is each lesson, you'll, you'll learn through those neuroscience lessons, certain aspects of the pain problem. Um, and then with the action tasks, we'll teach you exactly how to address each individual nervous system change one at a time. So each week you're going to get a new action task. You're adding a new tool or strategy or drill into your routine. 
And those, those drills build on each other. So it's not like you just do it once and then you're done and you move on. Um, they build on each other. And by the end of the program, we put all of those pieces together so that you have a simple routine that you can utilize on a day-to-day -day basis. We tweak it and customize it so that it fits your lifestyle because not everyone can just practice it all within a 20 minute time chunk. So we may have to modify that. Um, but yeah, so, so that's sort of that side of it. You also, um, uh, I incorporate weekly coaching calls to get that customization, that personalization, because everybody is different, even though the whole program just focuses on treating and addressing central and peripheral sensitization, like we talked about. Um, but you may have those questions of like, how does this apply to me? Which, which specific drills should I focus on for my headache pain? You know, you talked a lot about back pain. What about my headaches? Or what about my pelvic floor pain? Or what about my weird foot pain that no doctor can seem to figure out? Um, so we customize it through those coaching calls. We deepen your learning and your understanding to make sure it makes sense to you and your story. And then um, I have a lovely community group that you'd have access to as well to get all of that community connection, meeting people who has have struggled just like you because you're in a world where literally no one seems to understand what you're going through. So you get to meet some people who are going through that and understand it. Um, and so, yes, what else did you ask me about it? Well, and, and no, I love this because people, I know that there will be people who are listening who are going, okay, does this mean she is going to solve my chronic pain problem okay, and she mm -hmm. solved my chronic chronic pain problem is she a magician yeah. right <laughs> no thank you thank <laughs> you so much for saying that no uh, if anyone ever tells you they can cure your chronic pain and you'd be zero out of ten pain in a matter of weeks you should be running the opposite direction because that's not how pain works. That's not how the human body works. I don't want to be in any way a negative Nancy or Debbie Downer, but you may never have zero out of 10 pain the rest of your life, but that doesn't mean that it can't be a hell of a lot better than it is right now. So the results that, you know, and I can't, I don't make any guarantees of like, yep, you're going to have zero pain at the end of this program. We're going to cure you or anything like that. Um, the results that my clients do get is less pain, lower intensity of pain, um, fewer and shorter flare-ups, longer stretches of good days between those flare-ups. When a flare-up happens, they know exactly what to do to immediately shut it down so that it doesn't last two weeks, three weeks, a month. They, they're spending less time in bed because they can't move or think or do anything else. They're, those flare-ups go from that month to 24 hours and they're back on their feet. So there's less days of missed work. They're getting back to work. They can focus better at work. They're better employees. They're better business leaders. Um, they, they're doing more with less pain. I think that's one of the biggest things that everybody wants to get back to is being able to exercise, to go on hikes with their friends, to kayak with their, their kids and family members and be able to travel, get on an airplane and not have to worry about your pain ruining your entire trip. Those are the kinds of things that we get people back to doing. And yeah, it does start with the simple things. It starts with, let's get you to be able to empty the dishwasher first. And then we take it to the next level and say, okay, how many blocks do you want to walk every day? 
four. All right, let's get there. Let's work on that goal now. Um, but it's, so it's one step at a time, baby steps first, you know, you can't come in and say like my baseline is I can walk to the mailbox and back. And that's about it. And come in with the goal of, I want to run a marathon. We have to kind of, let's get you to the mailbox and then a little bit further first. Um, but those, I mean, that's the kind of results I'm seeing with my clients. I've, I've helped, um, medically managed people get off their medications. They, uh, I had a client who was taking painkillers, narcotic painkillers four to five times a day, and she's off of them, um, safely. Obviously she was being supervised by a physician, so I wouldn't, uh, you know, do that without that, but, um, we got her there and, um, the, the, one of the biggest transformations, I think that a lot of people don't necessarily recognize because they're, everybody wants pain relief, like help me relieve my pain. One of the things then the first thing that I see and the biggest transformation that I see in my clients is their relationship to those fears, stress, anxiety, and negative pain beliefs, negative health beliefs, the, the fear of, um, I'm, I'm going to deteriorate. I'm getting, I'm going to get worse. Um, I'm afraid to move. I'm afraid to get out of my house. Like all of that, like more of the mental components. I call that I'm broken and I'm fucked. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Like I, I have in my life, I've, I have had many people, um, at, at different points in their lives. And, and that is that I'm broken and I'm fucked feeling. It's like, yes. I'm terrified that this is the trajectory to the end and I don't get to live my life the way I want to anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So it's beautiful to see. Um, I, I use a um, scale to measure the I'm fucked <laughs> in, in the program. And um, out of all of the metrics that I track, that's the number one, like most drastic change that I see. And it's the first change that I see. So um, there, and if, if I can put that data into words, I would describe that as like having confidence in your body again, feeling empowered in your body and not just feeling so broken and defeated and hurt and afraid you're confident again. And you, that's giving you that freedom again. It's making your body feel safe. And the way that I look at this is in terms of the transformation journey, that step has to happen first in order for you to get moving more in order for you to have less pain, because it's going to turn down that body's like, I'm so scared. I'm so afraid. I'm so broken. I can't safely move first before you can safely move. If you try to skip that step and you try to start moving, your body is just going to push back and say, no, 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 we're not ready. I'm not safe to move. So you have to get that piece in first. Otherwise it's just going to, that's why PT doesn't work. That's why I'm not a physical therapist anymore because we we're forcing the body to do something. It's not ready, ready for. And I'm so glad you said that because, you know, we say that it's not all in your head and yet so much of it's in your head. And a big piece of that is the trust. Like what I hear, and that's what I talk about with my clients, right? Any clients that I work with, I say like, the first thing we do is we start to build a relationship with yourself where you actually trust yourself. Okay. And what you're describing is, is your clients moving into that place of trusting, right? And that is that, that place of being able to 
be in that space of trusting themselves and trusting their bodies and trusting the the awareness of now for what it is to be mm-hmm. able to move forward. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Trusting and and in I guess the subcategory is that safety. Trusting yeah. and I'm safe. Right. And that trust yeah. is the safety, right? The trust is I am safe. I am okay. Yep. Right. Exactly. I'm not broken. And that and then that you know you can take that into the next level of like is is it part of your identity? Is this the thing that has become it is it isn't and isn't like uh, um yes the 10 years of pain and disability have absolutely shaped who you are now but it doesn't have to be so ingrained in that part of your identity to where you're not willing to break up with that piece because if you're so tied into like this is who i am i'm this disabled person and i am always going to be this way then you have to start to want to let go of that part of your identity and move on and say, maybe, maybe it was a, it, it did, it shaped everything up until now, but I'm ready to change that and start a new chapter. And you can still use that experience. And I love this about so many of my clients is they want to, after they've seen the other side, they want to use that experience to inspire others to do the same thing. Cause they're like, holy shit, there are so many people out there like me that have no freaking clue that this is possible. And so that is one of my favorite, favorite parts about helping people on their journey is seeing them get to the other side and start helping other people. I just see that exponential growth of like, extend the healing beyond myself, you know, (laughs) beyond what I can do. The beauty of healing, right? The beauty of healing is that when we spread the love and the light beyond and can empower other people in their own process. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Alyssa, this has been such an incredible conversation. And I am so thankful that our listeners are going to have the opportunity to, to hear this conversation and, and, and understand chronic pain possibly for themselves or for people that they love. And please, please tell us how they can get a hold of you. What's your website again? Well, my website is alissawolf.com. That's spelled A-L-I-S-S-A-W-O-L-F-E.com. And I'm on social media, Instagram. I'm on Facebook and I'm on TikTok. And uh, on all platforms, I am at Pain Crusader. So Pain Crusader, my friends. Give her a follow. Make sure you double tap. Everybody likes to see somebody likes their stuff. And um, you know what? Uh, absolutely. If you suffer with chronic pain, if someone in your life is, has chronic pain challenges, check out Alyssa, follow her, get in touch with her. She is a beautiful human who is a crusader mm-hmm. for people on the chronic pain path to be able to live their lives richly. Alyssa, yeah. do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners before we say goodbye? Um, like you said, I would love to have a conversation. If you're listening to this podcast, uh, please do not hesitate to reach out. I check my messages on Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, not so much, but definitely reach out, message me. I will respond to you personally, and I'd love to have a conversation with you. You won't be wasting my time. We'd love to find out if this is something that would help you because, you know, we say it's not a quick fix. It's not a band-aid solution, but 
relatively speaking, if we can get you feeling better in 16 weeks, it, it really, it kind of is a little bit of a quick fix. So if you suffering with chronic pain for like 20 years and suddenly you've got some relief, like, holy crap, that is a quick fix. Exactly. I would, I would love to have a conversation with you. So don't be shy, reach out, let's chat. I want to, I want to talk to you, see if we can help you feel better. Beautiful. Alyssa, you are awesome. This has been such a gift to be able to share with our audience. Thank you so, so much from the bottom of my heart. And friends, if you are listening, don't hesitate to reach out to Alyssa if you to have chronic pain challenges. Um, from the bottom of my heart, stay awesome. Thank you for being you. And take gentle care of yourself. From the bottom of my heart, I love you. Till next time. Thanks for joining me today, my friend. If you're struggling through your own what the F moments and are ready for a more heart-centered and loving way forward, it is within you. It's time for a self-love adventure. Head on over to perfectlyimperfect.wtf for everything you need, including an amazing community, the collective. Beautiful humans on the same self-love adventure. If what you heard today spoke to you, please leave some love with a review. And don't forget to share this with a friend or 10. I hope to see you on the inside.